Hey, welcome everyone. I'm Don Newton, host of Open Air on KPOV 889 FM, High Desert Community Radio in Bend, Oregon. Airing Wednesdays at 5 p.m., Open Air is a weekly one-hour entertainment talk show featuring conversations with authors, local youth, entertainers, sports figures, and more. She's a real woman with a real life. She's someone you can relate to. Open Air with Don Newton. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Open Air. I am your host, Don Newton. My guest today, she's going to be joining us via uh, Alexander Graham Bell, <laughs> via the phone. Um, Allison Perry, she is the founder and executive director of Central Oregon Veterans Ranch. And um, I've talked with her in the past. There is a documentary that's coming out, and I wanted to reconnect with Allison to talk about this documentary about the ranch. And there's so many things about the Central Oregon Veterans Ranch that, um, first of all, it was her vision and to have her vision come to life is amazing. And then also just the things that we're doing here in Oregon that from what I understand is not being done for our veterans anywhere else in the United States. So um, we're going to talk about the documentary and then talking about some of the other services that we weren't able to really dive into last time just for time because of time constraints. So I'm going to use up as much of my time, this 50, 55 minutes or so, and uh, get all that information out from Allison that I think is so important that, you know, we know about these these organizations, the ranch, but do we really know the, the real deep dive and, and the work that goes into that? So, um, I'm going to bring her on the phone. We're going to take a quick break while I try to get all my logistics ironed out so that way we our sound is really good. And um, I'll be right back with uh, Allison Perry from Central Oregon Veterans Ranch. Stay tuned. You are listening to Open Air with Don Newton on 88.9 KPLV High Desert Community Radio. Welcome back, everyone. This is Open Air. I'm your host, Don Newton. I've got um, Allison Perry here. We had some technical difficulties. Um, human error. I will. That that was me. Me at the helm. Um, but I've got her here. We're we're doing this via speakerphone. So um, I'm hoping that the quality, everybody can hear everything okay. Um, I really want to get the word out for the amazing work that you've done, Allison. So I appreciate you joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Don. And you know the ranch. This just do a quick rundown. I mean, I do have, there is a podcast that is up on the KPOV website that you, the listener, can go to if you really want to hear about how it all got started and the background. But since we've really dissected that pretty good earlier in spring, um, I want to do just a quick rundown of how this got started. I mean, your vision and how this came to life for you and for the veterans. 
Sure. Um, it, it, it really started the, the, the deeply personal piece as being a military family member um, and having a brother who deployed for the invasion of Iraq in 2003 as a helicopter pilot uh, and subsequently did two more tours as a, as a medevac um, uh, pilot. But it was my brother's service that really impacted me so deeply that caused me to want to go work in the Department of Veterans Affairs, uh, the, the, the easiest place I knew to, to go help veterans and their families, which I felt so called to do, and ended up working in that system for six years as a trauma therapist on the PTSD clinical team in the General Mental Health Clinic and worked with veterans of all ages and all eras with a particular passion for combat trauma and more specifically what does combat trauma look like across the lifespan at different stages of life um, and ended up having a young man end up in the psychiatric lockdown unit one day one of my clients who was just 22 years old and already an iraq combat veteran and struggling with some other some military sexual trauma um, and just it, it learned about how he lost control and was incredibly triggered in that in that medical model in that institutional setting of being locked up you know in a fluorescent white walled room with doctors diagnosing you and social workers and and you know people trying to prescribe you medication and this young man really long you know reacted and was throwing furniture and threatening staff and i just had this gut sense this this kind of heart-wrenching you know and gut gut sense that he was being re-traumatized by that environment and that what he really needed was healing and he, and he really needed uh, peace. And so I looked at a colleague and said, I, I wish we had a sheep ranch out east where we could send these vets when they got home, where they could work on the land, sleep under the stars and be in a community of other veterans. And that, you know, Don, that was really the flash of the vision that came to me. Um, so it sort of started out as this idea of a, quote, PTSD ranch and then when I transferred from the Portland VA Medical Center to the Bend Clinic, I got to work with older veterans and groups of mostly Vietnam vets, some Korean, some World War II, and got really interested in what does combat trauma look like for them, particularly at the end of their lives. So, so just this, you know, encompassing desire to provide peace for veterans healing um getting back to a natural organic approach to healing the soul well and the, that organic piece the organic approach to healing which um just on the website there's all the testimonials from the veterans the military that um and how that has impacted their life and you know just preparing for our interview to doing a, a little deeper dive on on these individuals and not necessarily anyone in particular naming names but what came up a lot that word is when they they left their time of service um the word lost was just a consistent word that came out and one of the gentlemen had said you know you just feel so lost and it leads you to taking your own life mm -hmm. you know the mm -hmm. silence talk a little bit more about that 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 feeling of that lost feeling that they're yeah because when someone signs the dotted line to join the military it, it, it's a type of initiation into a new world and into a new identity 
And I think this is a piece, Dawn, that is so often lost because we focus so much on PTSD and trauma and symptoms, uh, specifically the medical model does, but we don't look at the whole person and the identity of the person. So not only have they they endured oftentimes um, horrible traumas and, and moral injury, but there is also with that um, a loss of the identity that one has when they're serving in the military. And the, the way that identity changes when one gets out and is separated. And I, you know, we, we, we joke because it's a, it's a sheep ranch, but there's actually quite a bit of symbolism around the sheep, the shepherd, the lost sheep. And going after that one lost sheep or that, you know, no man or no woman left behind, it is... Um, bringing them back into the fold, bringing them back into community and helping restore a sense of self in a new identity. So we know um, Thomas Joyner is one of the leading suicide, probably the leading suicide researcher in the nation. And he identifies two primary reasons why people die by suicide. One is lack of sense of belonging and the other one is feeling like a burden. And so you can't have a sense of belonging without an identity. So when you're separated from the military, when, when, when you're discharged and you're separated from the military, you're thrust back out into this big wide world um, and oftentimes surrounded by civilians that you cannot relate to, that do not understand you, that do not understand the military, that do not understand combat that do not understand what you're the the burdens that you're bearing and carrying and so bringing them back into a community where they number one recognize each other and immediately feel a sense of belonging ah i'm with my people again they get me they understand me i then sort of reclaim a part of that identity But then in this unique setting with the agriculture and peer support in a model that's focused on post-traumatic growth, veterans are then able to to go into discovering a new identity um, that that carries them beyond the ranch, that carries them back out into the world. Uh, So so in a sense, it's it's a transition. It's a it's. But it really at that core is when someone's feeling lost, where do I belong? Where do I fit in? Who am I now? And, and again, by bringing them back into community, that sense of belonging is immediate and then allows them to go through that organic process of rediscovering or discovering perhaps who they are now. Does our military do anything to prepare the the soldier, the who's coming out or prepare the family for the homecoming? Is there anything that's in place? Well, I can't speak to it personally, of course, because I'm, I'm, I'm a family member, not, not a military veteran, but from what I've heard from, from the vets that I've worked with very closely, the, the, the broad answer, the general answer is no, at least what they do is not, <laughs> is not <laughs> able to effectively address the issues that we're talking about. Um, they'll, they'll do some, uh, debriefs or provide some education. And, and, and sometimes it's actually counter effective because it's, 
you know, screening them for PTSD. And, and, and the last thing somebody wants to do when they come home from a war zone or they're getting ready, you know, they're, they're done with their time in the military. They want to leave. They don't want to spend time hanging out. They don't want to go through. So, and, and there may be some initiatives, Don, that I'm unaware of um, around that prior discharge transition. I'm, I'm sure there are classes and education, but it might be very technical. Like, here's how you get back out financially and manage your finances. Here's what's going to happen when you go back to your family. So, you know, there are some aspects to prepare, but, but from what I've heard from the veterans I've worked with, nothing, nothing that can truly prepare them for civilian life, especially if they're bearing the burden of, of trauma and moral injury and surviving combat and war and all of the things that someone experiences, witness, and in many cases does. How many military, how many veterans does the Central Oregon Veterans Ranch um, work with or come and volunteer? Do you have a, a number on that? Yeah, it, I would say on a month, uh, monthly basis, it's between 45 and 70 veterans, depending on what they're doing. So they might be in a peer support group. They might be in a group that we, we partner with the vet center. So they, they facilitate a PTSD support group out there. We have a veteran only AA meeting. Um, and then multiple opportunities for volunteering, for farm work, for working with animals, for taking classes. So veterans have different touch points. Um, and coming back to that sort of organic idea uh, that they come into the environment and they're oriented towards all the amenities, the greenhouse, the pasture, the animals, the victory gardens, which is free community garden plots where they can grow their own food. So they're oriented to all the amenities on the property all of the groups or the ways to connect with other vets and they get to decide what is a fit for them some like to come out independently and take care of animals they they don't have a strong need to be very tightly uh interacting uh on a regular basis they 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 might be a little more solitary or they might just find peace um, in healing by being out in nature and, 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 and contributing and giving back. Um, so it, there are, again, those various touch points, and, it, and it's anywhere between 45 to 70 veterans could come out in a month to the ranch in those, in those different uh, areas and those different ways. And there are some things that set Central Oregon Veterans Ranch apart from any other facility in the United States. Touch on those. I think it is the combination of the agriculture and the peer support. And, and you and I have talked um, or touched on before the future vision, which is for the specialized end of life care. I think what's different about the ranch is that it brings those, those I call them the three pillars, agriculture, peer support, and end of life care. Now it's, you know, two of those, uh, which could easily be its own, you know, model, its own program. But it brings those things together. And it brings those, you know, those aspects, agriculture education or agrotherapy, as we say, ecotherapy, and connecting vet to vet. It brings them, there, there's a real intentionality in the design of the environment so that it, the aesthetic, the natural beauty, the sense of safety, 
the amenities, the offerings, the freedom to choose, wow, you know, and, and then again, being back in that tribe. And there are some very intentional guardrails, I guess you could say, to creating a sense of sanctuary. So there are a lot of veterans organizations that, that integrate civilians on a regular basis or families or, um, they don't have the sort of exclusivity that we have. And I find it very interesting these days with all, you know, talking about inclusivity in, in, in this. And I, I say, well, actually for us, we, we employ exclusivity because we are trying to create a safe bubble. We're trying to, you know, you know with trauma healing, the first element that's needed is safety. If you don't feel safe, nothing else can happen. No healing, no opening up, no vulnerability. So safety, and as we say, you know, as they say in the military, safety first. That's the primary um, protector of anything else happening. And so we're very intentional about how and when we have civilians come out and participate. We have many people that say, oh, I'd love to come out there and volunteer. I'd love to help. But the reality is if if a veteran has um, taken human life or witnessed the horrors of war, losing friends, and, and, and I, I won't go into detail, but they're not going to connect with someone coming out from the civilian world to work on a project. It's, 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 then they're just back out in the world. Then they're just back out like, I can't relate to this person. I don't know who this person is. They don't understand me. This is triggering for me. I'm getting angry. So it, it, it comes back to that um, creating that safe space, that sanctuary, which fosters that sense of belonging and identity. So I think that's an aspect of the ranch that's very intentional, but I'm not sure how other veterans organizations might approach that. And and the other thing, Don, is that there are so many veterans programs where it's a short term Right, like I go away to a fly fishing workshop, or I, I go with a bunch of veterans to go hunting in Alaska, or I go out to a ranch in Wyoming where I'm going to go out and you know ride dirt bikes and do all kinds of fun stuff, equine therapy. But I'm always going home. I'm always leaving. I have a, I have a temporary uh, great experience and bonding and connecting and you know perhaps cathartic healing over a weekend or a week, but then I go home. And I'm alone again, and I don't have that community that I got to experience during that week or that weekend. And so that is another aspect of the ranch that sets it apart is it's an ongoing, it's it's a permanent place. It's a place veterans can come in and out of, they can come back to. They may get a job and leave. They may get a school and leave. They may come back for different reasons they some of our vets have come out seeking help and ended up getting trained as peer support specialists state certified working in other settings but coming back to volunteer and participate at their ranch so it's a you know it's a, I don't want to say it's a feedback loops is a weird way to say it but it's an ongoing um community where vets can find different ways to participate over time. We have some vets that have been involved since five five or six years that still come out on a regular basis and some that return, some that may have moved away for a while and came back. So that sense that it's permanent, that it's not going away, I think is provides another layer of sort of the security and the sense of belonging. 
Hey, if you're just tuning in, this is Open Air. I'm your host, Don Newton. We're talking with Allison Perry, founder, CEO of Central Oregon Veterans Ranch, um, talking about the end of life piece, that reading about that on the website. And then just when you and I talked about it previously, it really, uh, it really just creates a lot of emotion. And my heart really goes out to these, these individuals when you had written or, or one of them had said that I just want to be like native Americans and go off into the woods and die alone. And then other haunting, haunting comments such as I lost my soul in combat, um, that death and dying piece, I, I can't even imagine, um, it, it really just hurts to hear somebody say that and know that that's what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. These are, these are, um, every human being has some kind of, you know, wound to the soul or, or, or pain or, you know, we're human. We can't escape it. But for people who have been in war, or in combat or horrifically traumatic situations where they've either taken life or witnessed the taking of life. And at such a young age, usually, uh, where they're doing something that violates everything they know in their being, uh, because it's part of the mission, it's part of the job, it's part of what they signed up to do. It's not a choice. Uh, but when they get out, they reflect on, what they did and, and, and have a perspective that's also becomes, as, as one of our chaplain uh, friends says, you know, becomes a spiritual pain. And I've done a lot of work with Sacred Art of Living Center, another nonprofit here in Central Oregon run by Richard Groves, who's a retired 30-year hospital and hospice chaplain. And Richard served as an assistant chaplain in the Air Force. And one of his passions is working with veterans at end of life because of the unique aspects that come up. Um, Richard identifies four areas of spiritual, he calls it spiritual pain, hope, meaning, relatedness, and forgiveness. And he says that men have actually really high uh, er, spiritual pain around forgiveness. It's, It's forgiveness of self and forgiveness of others. And veterans have astronomically high levels of spiritual pain around forgiveness, um, primarily around forgiving themselves. And there is also this question that doesn't come up until you're at the very end. Um, and, and this is coming from another mentor and, and person on our advisory board, Deborah Grassman, who's a retired VA hospice nurse and administrator for 30 years and she says when we're dying we're going to meet our maker you know it doesn't really matter what your belief system is but there is a question about what's going to happen to me when I die and so veterans are often in a place and they're reflecting on morally spiritually who they are what they've done and what's going to happen to them when they die and that's a really deep you know, soul, spiritual aspect of it. There's also the the medical aspect of having uh, trauma, having combat trauma, having PTSD, and how that impacts um, someone's sense of anxiety. They're, they're sometimes actually having flashbacks or fear. They may flashback to being in a foxhole. Um, there's a story of a, a Vietnam vet who thought that Viet Cong was under his bed and escaped 
uh, a facility and, and climbed an eight foot wall and they couldn't find him because he was living, he was reliving his combat trauma at the end of his life. And so, it, it, so when to me, Don, when I think about a veteran who has suffered with these wounds their whole life, they signed up for the military or were drafted and they've lived their whole life with the physical often and, and, and psychological and spiritual injuries. They've borne the sacrifice that we as civilians who haven't served, we don't have to bear that burden. They do. And they bear it their whole lives, right? This isn't just, I came home from war, I got some help and I got better. It's like, no, this, this stays with you. It doesn't mean you're non-functional, but it stays with you. It's in your soul. It's in your body. It's in your brain. And so at the very end, um, to me, we owe, uh, we owe an incredible level of attention and care to helping facilitate a peaceful death. Um, so this is clearly a very specialized niche, uh, but it's a niche that other pioneers have, you know, have, have worked. And there are methods and there are ways to create um, ways for veterans to work through some of those, address some of the, the moral injury or the spiritual pain or the way the symptoms are emerging at the end. Um, the last thing any family member wants to see is a veteran that they've seen struggle so much in their life as a result of living with the wounds of war that they have a painful or difficult time at the very end of their life. That's, and then, and then we shouldn't have that. You know, in my opinion, we, we owe them so much. Well, in this combat care at end of life, now that is a long-term goal and vision. How close are you to reaching, implementing the vision and goal? Well, that is, uh, might tie us into talking about the documentary. (laughs) (laughs) Great segue. (laughs) (laughs) Because let me just tell you as the founder that building this from the ground up when there is no blueprints, uh, we've, we've built this from the ground up. And there were, you know, competing views about what to prioritize over time. You know, was it the peer support program? Was it the agriculture program? Was it the end of life care? And there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of pressure early on to get the end of life care programming and everybody wants to do that. The reality of the way, again, this has been an organic process also. So the, what we have now is the beautiful um, setting and community that 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 end of life care program will sort of be the crown of that 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 it would be nestled within this existing veteran community that is eager to receive you know their dying brothers and sisters when that program is launched that is part of a much bigger conversation about you know awareness national awareness staffing capacity of the ranch strategic planning and figuring out when um we're gonna which which with where we're at as an organization, how we've grown, how established we are, and with this documentary coming out, um, this is going to give us so much more exposure and fundraising opportunity to have the resources we need to launch a program that is not something you want to launch willy-nilly. It's not something you want to do without being very certain you have the resources to get this going. 
So let's talk about that documentary, Cover Me, The Path to Purpose. Mm-hmm. When does that, when will that be available for all of us to so see? So we just had our screening, as you know, in Los Angeles on September 17th, and that was the first time it was shown on a big screen. So that, that means that, you know, there's any last minute snags or things that need to be changed in the film prior to it going to another company that will will mar- make sure it goes through a quality control and then market it um, to to streaming platforms and and identify an official release date so it'd be a number of months um, it'd probably be sometime in in next uh, winter or spring that the film will actually be available for you know public viewing and and um at that time when there is an official release date we we want to work on getting it into you know theaters here regionally locally for launch events and that type of thing and then it will also be available on some on some streaming platforms whoever picks it up right now the film is being submitted to documentary film festivals around the country um, we were accepted into a film festival in Manhattan, New York. It was a very, very quick turnaround. It's it's showing this week at the film festival. Um, we have been accepted as a finalist into a London-based online film festival. So there are, so there are. Um, it's not. I would say it's not publicly available yet but you know anybody who's interested in that can go to our website and we can talk about that at the end but can go to our website and sign up to stay apprised of when it will come out and i can tell you that as you've seen don just the trailer in and of itself has been incredibly impactful already so when the full film comes out and the response that we got at the theater was um amazing Many people came forth with personal stories about family members or they were a veteran themselves and shared about how the film impacted them. So we are anticipating a really positive response when it does come out publicly more more broadly. Well, and just the, the trailer that I've seen, those gentlemen that participated in it, um, those veterans, just the raw emotion, the vulnerability um, was... It, like it, it's very moving and it just um i yeah it's um congratulations on that i can only imagine what that was like for you to be sitting there and seeing it on the big screen this you know vision and then to where it is today yeah it was an it was an amazing experience and i i can't tell you like i just i can't tell you how proud i felt of these veterans to you know, speak their heart, speak so openly. And I think it speaks to the fact that veterans really experience being seen at the ranch. And they also experience a sense of ownership and pride. And it comes back also, Dawn, to that safety piece. You know, that they are the ones that said, hey, this is our place. This is how this place has impacted us. This is how this way of getting help and finding community again has changed our lives and we want other veterans to experience this you know we we want to share our stories every single one of them said that if i share my story and how the ranch has affected me i I, i'm doing it because i just hope even if even one veteran hears this and sees that there's a different way there's a different approach and that if the public 
understands that this is uh, it's it's transformative done it's transforming lives and the veterans themselves will say that it's not just getting help for your ptsd or getting a little better it is, it is changing people's lives and helping them again to rediscover who they are and how they want to navigate their life forward um and and then you know we all need community right we all need a tribe we all need people who get us who understand us who support us so to go from that lost feeling to to having that um and and i think that they're you know again their their openness and their vulnerability coming through in in the film is them saying this is so important to us this environment this community and we want other veterans to be able to experience this because it's changed them on on some profound levels have the veterans that participated in um in the documentary have they seen it or has it been shown at the ranch um you know i was just talking to our (laughs) operations manager adrian about that today we talked about doing a kind of a private uh advanced screening yeah for the for the vets that were in the film yeah we just talked about that today that's that's pretty amazing um and you know just the veterans, when they talk about their experiences at the ranch, you know, before some were reluctant, some have said, you know, we really want our veterans to come out and some are reluctant still to come out. Um, but the words that they talk about the ranch is just the feeling of love. Um, you're able to let your guard down at peace, community. It's non-clinical. I mean, just um, it's a sanctuary and they all share that same sentiment and those same feelings. Um, it, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it was. It was. You know, and talking about my experience of watching the film, I, I just, it was. Uh, I, I don't want to say it was like a spiritual experience, but it kind of <laughs> was. You know, to see to see this vision alive and to see it alive in other human beings and to be a p- participant in it and a witness to it and. Um, you know, I say that it was a vision given to me. It's, it's it's not my you know unique genius. It was my it was my heart that was so affected by what I saw, what I experienced in the VA. You know, and the pain I witnessed, and the desire that to, to to do something and provide something that was actually going to make a difference. And so much of it came from what they said. It didn't. It wasn't like I pulled something out of my head. You know, it was like they would say. You know, I. I'd say, gosh, well, you, you should really volunteer. You need to get out of your isolation. You should get involved in something, find a purpose. And they would say, well, the only thing I'd want to do is help other veterans. Um, and then oftentimes they would talk about nature and animals and how the only time they felt at peace was being out in the woods or being outdoors or, you know, how therapeutic it was to take care of someone's horse when they were staying on their property or their dog or whatever it was. And I thought, gosh, we could, you know, pull all these elements together and, and create an environment for them. So they, you know, from from their mouths over time, I just listened and I and I, I felt I, I, I think it hits me so deeply because of having family members who have been um, in, 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 impacted by war. And I, I want to highlight the fact, Dawn, because I think there is a. It's sort of a public perception that, you know, the stigma, I guess, of veterans that they're, oh, gosh, the PTSD combat vet or, you know, veterans are homeless. And the reality is that 
you know, every veteran in that film is very high functioning. <laughs> every veteran in that film is either working or has worked or is actively healing or, you know, has had a career, in some cases, a very successful career. So these are people that are high functioning individuals that want to give back and have something to give and want to continue that sense of being of service. That's why they joined the military. The, the ones that weren't drafted. They want to serve. And this vehicle, this, this sanctuary, this community gives them a, 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 a vehicle. It gives them that way to plug in and to give back. And so I, I think we're really big on challenging the stigma. Um, and this is a paradigm shift of going from your broken you're disabled, you're disordered, you need to be treated, you need to be medicated. We're going to prescribe these things for you. We're going to do 10 sessions of evidence-based trauma-focused therapy to work on you, you know, on and on and on. And things that's, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Sometimes these things have value, they have merit, they have benefit, but it's not restoring someone's identity. It's not helping them figure out I'm out of the military now. Who am I? Where do I go from here? Nobody understands me. Well, and the healing that takes place between the veterans, you've got the different generations, the different combat, the different wars that they've seen. That in and of itself is pretty, um, it's just eye-opening and having them share their stories. You know, an older veteran talking to a younger one, you know, talking to my future self, my my younger self, how that that's got to be incredibly healing for these these individuals. Mm-hmm. It, it is, and it just extends that sense of belonging, that bond to say, you know, it's not just my generation. This is this is something um, that different generations have suffered with and lived with, and they have wisdom to offer each other and hope to offer each other. Um, to, that that is that is a beautiful layer, and that will extend to that end of life care program when we launch. When we're able to launch that program, the goal is to create a, a volunteer training specifically for younger combat vets to companion dying combat vets to have a mutually uh, a reciprocal healing process where the young vet is gleaning the wisdom and the life experience of the veteran that's dying that has that unique perspective that you have only when you're at the end of your life and that the dying veteran has an opportunity to work with a brother or sister to find redemption you know work through some areas of spiritual pain but just by knowing that they're sharing their life story and their experience and their wisdom with a young vet. They have the potential to transform that vet's life, to change their life. And so it, it, I often say that, you know, we, we live in a very materialistic society in a material world. And what, what people don't realize, and I think what we, what we help veterans recognize is sometimes just their presence Sometimes just their presence is the value they bring to the community. They don't have to be working. They don't have to be giving back. They don't have to be trained as a peer support specialist, but just showing up, just being present. And so I think that's a, that's a value that extends throughout all the programs or the groups or the environment is just 
being um, in community together and someone bringing their presence is valuable. And, and, and so at the end of life, that is a very um, powerful aspect, you know, to be seen, to be witnessed, to be cared for, and to be seen by people who understand. Oh, it's incredibly powerful. Um, we just have a few minutes left, but one thing about the ranch is that it's not open to the public, except when you have maybe one or two community events each year. Yes. And we do have a community event coming up October 8th, the Harvest Festival. Yes. Um, so so last year, uh, we had our first pumpkin patch, and it was a great deal of fun. And we had a harvest festival that was just for veterans and veteran families. But we decided this year we wanted to open it up to community. You know, we have plant sale in the spring, and so we thought, well, this would be a great way to have the community come out, see the environment, see what we do, meet some of our vets who might be there. And um, and honestly, we had pumpkins coming out of our ears uh, <laughs> last year. So uh, we all had incredible pumpkin displays at our at our homes because we had so <laughs> many pumpkins. Um, so yes, and, and, and folks can find out the details. I'll say a little bit about it, but it's at our website at covranch.org. It's Saturday, October 8th from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. We'll have some music. Um, we're going to have a food cart there, um, hayride, some raffle items, games, that kind of thing. So it, it's really an opportunity for the community to come out. Veterans will get free pumpkins. We're asking the community to buy pumpkins um, as a way to support the ranch and to support other veterans. So um, it should be fun, and uh, we would welcome everybody to come out on that day. Again, it's Saturday, October 8th, um, and it's covranch.org. And it goes from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Um, also, just uh, in the small print, it says this is an alcohol and drug-free event. Service yes. animals only, no pets allowed, and uh, yeah. please pick up after your service dogs out of respect for the property, as you should. Yes. That um, yes. goes without saying. <laughs> what is this work meant to you? I mean, I know what it means to our veterans. They're very, they're not shy about saying how much, how important this has been to them. Mm -hmm. But this is, this is what you do full time. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I would say, Dawn, it, it gives my life meaning. Um, it gives my life purpose. I'm, I'm not a military veteran, but I am a trauma survivor from, you know, growing up in a family where there was a lot of violence and, and other traumatic events happening. And um, I went through my own journey of healing and trying to figure out what's what's going to get what's going to get me out of bed every day what's going to keep me going what's going to make this life worth living and this is it i mean this is it it, it it to be a part of this to witness this beauty of people growing and healing and having fun i have to say you know sometimes i'm out having a smoke with the guys <laughs> it's like it's a camaraderie you know it's a camaraderie on this earth that that is a is a treasure and i am an honor to be a part of it and it gives my life a tremendous amount of meaning and purpose and so they say that you know we can if our suffering has meaning we can endure suffering you know, it's when suffering mm -hmm. is meaningless that we have the most pain. And so this is my own post-traumatic growth story. I, I, I want to see others heal. I want to see them grow. And this has been my purpose. And we want to keep helping more and more veterans find their purpose, too. 
And for those veterans that are, I'm sure, familiar with the ranch, but maybe have been hesitant to come out, reach out, what what would you say to them? Uh, well, first of all, just take a risk, you know, take, take a risk and that this is a veteran-specific environment. It's not like anything else, um, certainly not in the area. It's safe. It's fun. It's beautiful. Um, and you'll find peers, you'll find people you can relate to, um, and, and ways to feel at peace. It's, it is life changing and it, it is just getting over that first hurdle and, and, and saying, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to go out there. Well, Allison, I got to cut us both off. We're going to be cut off <laughs> together. <laughs> Thank you. COVranch.org is a place to go. Thank you, Don. Open Air is written, produced, and hosted by Don Newton. Thanks for listening to this KPOV podcast. KPOV is community radio for the high desert of Central Oregon. For more information and our program schedule, go to kpov.org. We value your feedback. Drop us a note at podcast at kpov.org.